This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Recently, I was shocked, and I cannot believe this, that Americans are spending the most they've ever spent on eyeglasses. And I've got so many ways for you to save so much money on them. we got to talk that through. And something that I've been, um, it goes into my obsession column. Ways that we are going to improve the way we get produce in the United States. It's happening more and more, starting with an experimental farm years ago. I'm going to fill you in on something really, really positive. When you think about the supply chain disruptions, I think you'll really appreciate what I'm going to share with you later. So I'm a four eyes and the number of Americans that are four eyes is ginormous because of maybe all the screen time we spend, all the things we're looking at. Best guess, somewhere close to 165, 170 million of us wear glasses. You wear contacts? I used to, but I had LASIK. And now you see I don't perfectly. Have to wear anything? Yes, it's amazing. I knew there was something about you that really, <laughs> I could find something that annoyed me, and finally I do that. You don't have to wear these things because I've been wearing glasses since I was uh, four or five years old. I know there are people who think I'm such a nerd that I probably was born with glasses <laughs> on my face. Not true, but. Oh, I didn't say I wasn't a nerd. I just said, not true that I came out of the womb I'm with glasses I'm proudly a nerd, on. for sure. I am. Well, this is, this is just so weird because the eyeglass industry is dominated by an international cartel called Luxottica, which I think is out of Belgium, maybe. And they have cornered so many of the frames, uh, the lens grinding, they have bought up a lot of the chains. So you could go to several different places to shop for glasses and they'd all be expensive and you wouldn't realize that behind the curtain, they're all, all owned by Luxottica. And I saw a story by David Lazarus who wrote one a few years ago about this. He's the financial columnist with the Los Angeles Times. He was talking about what people are paying for frames what they're paying for lenses, what they're paying total. And it's absolutely beyond imagination because we have an industry that technology has made it possible for you to get glasses. The cheapest prescription glasses have pretty much ever been at the same time that the average person being lured in by all the advertising is paying the most they've ever paid for glasses. So you absolutely right now 
can go buy glasses if you wear, I wear progressive lenses, but if you wear single vision frames and lenses, you can buy prescription glasses any day of the week. Total cost, 15 bucks more or less. 15 That includes the frames. That includes your lenses. That includes the delivery. 15 bucks. But people spend a fortune. David Lazarus figured out that his prescription, the markup on it was 996%. (laughs) 996%. And he, he just can't believe what we're up to. So Luxottica controls these frame brands by his research. Armani, Brooks Brothers, Burberry, Chanel, Coach, Oakley, Oliver Peoples, Polo, and Ray-Ban. So they also control a lot of the big brand name lenses. I didn't know there were brand name lenses, but they control that as well. They also own or operate lens crafters, Pearl Vision, Sunglass Hut, Target Optical, I Buy Direct, and Frames Direct. I Buy Direct, interesting about that, that started its life as one of the deep discounters. And now it's owned or controlled by them. So what you need to know is that there is this wide, wide, wide gulf with people that are offering very inexpensive glasses like Zenny that I've talked about for years. And by the way, Consumer Reports gives Zenny, Z-E-N-N-I optical.com, one of their highest ratings for customer service, which is funny because years ago when I first started talking about Zenny, their customer service was true customer no service. You were getting a good price and a good deal as long as everything worked right. But if you had a problem, forget it. That seems to no longer be the case. Um, There's also another discounter that people seem to like called Glasses USA. And in addition to that, Consumer Reports says the best place to get glasses in America is, drum roll please. Costco. Costco Wholesale. And so there are really good places to get glasses and when I walk the dogs, I walk by this beautiful eyeglass place that started out online only and now has opened up strategically retail stores around the country, Warby Parker. Warby Parker is designed to offer something I don't care about, which is high fashion frames and lenses complete very affordably compared to the Luxottica cartel, but not in the price range that you'd have typically at Costco and certainly not with discounters like Zenny. But the point is where you go for your glasses sets the table completely. I mean, that's the whole game because if you end up in the clutches of the brand names controlled by Luxottica, or you go to one of the retailers owned or controlled by Luxottica, you are going to get clobbered, clobbered in the wallet with costs of hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So what did I pay for these glasses, which frames lenses complete, progressive lenses, uh, 
any reflective for television. Did I tell this already? I, I think you told me. So. 69 bucks. And so if you've been buying glasses that are triple digits, you got to stop that. you got to stop doing that and wasting your money. It is your money. Okay, now one of the big con jobs there is out there is if your employer offers an eyeglass plan that you optionally buy or they give you as part of your benefits, be very careful where it directs you to. Because a lot of times what it's doing is it's giving you a false deal where it directs you to one of the channels controlled by Luxottica and the price will be $740. But for you, it's only $466 or whatever. Know that that is part of a big fat con job. And it's your job to know not to get taken when you're getting your eyeglasses. And I will uh, pick on this conglomerate, this cartel, over and over again till everybody's got it in their head to not waste their money. Krista? Okay, listen to this interesting dilemma from Jay in California. I currently live in an apartment complex that has recently been bought out. They will be demolishing the property and building a condo complex. I've been notified that since I've lived there for over 10 years, I'm eligible to buy into the $1.2 million, $600,000, and low-income $300,000 homes. This property will be built in a small town, which is part of the very expensive Santa Barbara County in the Southern California coast, where homes range from $1 to $2 million. I'm inclined to buy into the low-income housing unit, which will be very nice and brand new. That way, it keeps me open to save some capital to purchase a rental property elsewhere. The problem is, if I buy one of those units and decide to leave any time within 30 years, I can only collect 5% maximum property profit. I also can't use it as a rental property or Airbnb. Buying a $600,000 home that is brand new here would be a steal, and the 5% rule doesn't apply. I'm 35 years old. This is one of those one train leaves Cleveland at 10 a.m., the other <laughs> leaves Detroit at noon. Um, I would definitely go for the property that does not come encumbered. If you can afford it in your finances to buy in the Santa Barbara area at way below typical market value and buy one of the $600,000 properties, which for people who are listening in (laughs) so much in the United States, they're like, it's eye popping $600,000. So, (laughs) um, I know that, that avoiding having the profit cap would be really worthwhile because the thing is, if you buy one of the $300,000 properties, you have the responsibilities of home ownership without the upside potential of being a homeowner. And so that collar, that 5% collar, basically puts you in a really disadvantaged situation. Often the expectation is when somebody buys one of these deeply subsidized properties like this, and I know again for people in much of the country saying a $300,000 property is a deeply subsidized property, the thing is, is you will usually have a buyer who stays the rest of their life in it. 
and the appreciation is not a significant factor. It's having the very low carry costs on the property. That doesn't seem to be your situation as you describe it, and that's why of the puzzle, the 1.2 million, the 600K, and the 300K, in your scenario, the 600K does seem to me to make the most sense at 35 years old. And this is from Terry in Oregon. My college sophomore daughter is eligible for a full Pell Grant for college right now based on our family's income. We would like to keep that full grant. However, there's a possibility our daughter will make pretty decent money this summer at a job. Would it be wise to have her put money into a Roth IRA so her summer earnings don't reduce the amount of Pell Grant for which she is eligible? She would not take any withdrawals from the Roth. This tactic would be purely to protect some of her earnings from reducing her financial aid. So I get where you're going with this, but a Roth will not do that. A Roth, you'd have the same, she would have the same reported income otherwise. So doing a traditional IRA would, would get the closest to what you're trying to do. And your daughter can take up to 6000 Yeah, that would work because I'm worrying about tax rates and I shouldn't in this case. So your daughter can take the 6000 put it in a traditional IRA, and it will reduce reported income by that amount. Yeah, so that would work. <laughs> we made it all the way around And then around she'll have an IRA the for the rest of her life. She'll have an IRA, and then when the Pell Grant's no longer an issue and before she's earning big bucks – she can go through the conversion process and then pay the tax for converting that traditional to a Roth before she's out of her early 20s. We got this whole thing figured out now. Love it. So straight ahead, you may or may not have heard about something that first started in the labs, vertical farming. I'm going to tell you why it's such a big deal to me and why it's really great for the earth, and for our wallets. Straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I know this seems so out of my area of interest, but I've been fascinated since I first read more than a generation ago about a concept of growing vegetables and fruits in a factory. And when that first came about, it was like, what? But I want you to hang with me for a second because there's so many good potential things about this and it's starting to boom around the United States as well as other countries. So what farmers do is in a controlled environment, in basically an indoor giant warehouse kind of environment, they build a facility that grows groceries, grows groceries, every day of the year, rain, shine, cold, hot, whatever, uses a tiny fraction of the water that you have to use with traditional growing fruits and vegetables out of the ground. And in addition, you don't have any pesticides. But something that people are really into, you know, the whole farm-to-table thing that you get stuff that's fresh, you get it that's local, you can locate these big growing warehouses right in the midst of the most congested urban areas in the world. And you think about all the farmland being gobbled up in the United States by suburban sprawl and former farms that used to drive by when you were a kid or whatever, now they're neighborhoods. Well, precious land is, you know, it's a commodity that we have a lot of in certain parts of the country, but then you have enormous transportation costs and time involved. In addition, we get a lot of our fruits and vegetables from where? Wherever in the world. If you go into a lot of supermarkets and you take time to look at the fruits or vegetables, they say what country they've come from. Do you ever notice that, Krista? Because yes, you're a big produce person. Where are you seeing stuff come from right now? Um, Mexico is where a lot of my the things I've bought recently have come from. So... So how would you feel if they came from 10 miles from your home? I'd be happier. I would like that. It'd be fresher. And so this is, this is something that's a win all the way around from energy standpoint, water, uh, transportation costs, the pesticide issue that I mentioned. This is a huge deal. And when it went from laboratory kind of what ifs, to the first demonstration ones, to now these big actual um, production facilities. And isn't it weird to talk about fruits and vegetables being production facilities? But what is a farm? A farm is is a horizontal production facility. So now we build these vertical ones, and the vegetables and the fruit, they're right near your neighborhood. And there's nothing like I love tomatoes, which I always think of as a vegetable, but I'm told as a fruit, whatever. Anyway, I love tomatoes, 
And when you have a fresh, out-of-the-ground tomato, there's nothing like it. Tastes totally different. Yeah, it's really, really great. And this is something we're going to be able to replicate all over the world. And so, I don't know if you've heard of this. Sorry to interrupt. Go but ahead. I just bought some lettuce yesterday, and I looked on it and it said it was grown in a solar tunnel. Is that a new one on you? I have no idea what <laughs> okay, a solar sorry. tunnel is. That's for the next show. We'll talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> this is happening all over the country. There's a big one in Dallas. There's a big one in Atlanta. There's a big one between uh, Washington and Baltimore. There's a huge one in Kentucky. I'm trying to remember where in Kentucky it is. And this is such a fantastic, this is not a movement, this is not an environmental thing, although it has environmental spinoffs. This is about people trying to make money, and it's a great way for them to make money. You think about the um, disruptions we're having from flooding and from droughts and from all the weather disruptions we're having, you control that in one of these indoor environments. And I know that there are people that are traditionalists who are going to think, I have lost my mind. But the idea of the business model is to be able to serve tens of millions of people, typically within 150 miles of where the farm is, the high-rise farm. And don't be surprised if instead of seeing Mexico on your vegetables, you see a town close to where you live is where they're going to come from. And I did look, it was strawberries I bought and they, the solar tunnel is basically like, I don't know if you've heard of hoop farming. That's another thing people do to avoid no. having to worry about the weather and, and every, all the changes. So well, I'll show it to you later, but that's another interesting thing. So lots of innovation. And that's called solar strawberries? Uh-huh. Okay. This is from Matthew in Michigan. We have seen an increase in used car prices and some instances of new cars going well above sticker. Once the chip shortage eases, will we see a flood of new and used vehicles buyers upside down? You've stated several times that you don't see a housing market crash coming, but will we have a car finance market crash? All right. I don't want to be an alarmist, Matthew, but you must have studied economics because, yes, that is likely to be what they refer to as a tail risk of what we've been through with the inflated new and used vehicle prices. And then you throw into the mix the ultra-long loans people are taking out. People are going to be married to whatever vehicle they buy in today's inflated price environment. And that is a reality. This is not a bubble. This is true market forces going on with the price of new and used cars. And when prices normalize and nobody knows how many months that is but it's it's a trend line that will certainly resolve itself and this one is all about the chips as you may know and so yes people will be frightfully upside down in their vehicles who are buying at these inflated prices today this is from Dave in Alabama. My wife, who passed away recently... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Dave. ...had opened up an account with a retailer in my name and failed to live up to her obligation to pay. I was unaware that she had opened the account until I started getting calls when the payment was past due. When I got the calls, I would remind my wife to pay the bill and everything was fine, but for some reason, she just quit paying the bill and she must have thrown out any collection letters she received. 
Now I'm being sued by the retailer for the amount she owed. In court, I cannot prove she did this, but it is what happened. And since she has passed away, there's no way of her making good on what she owes. My question is, is there any way I can dispute this debt, even though it's in my name and I have no way of proving I did not open the account? This is a terrible, terrible situation. First, you lose your wife. And second, she did something... um, she did something not good. She she put your name down as the borrower instead of her own. So you knew it while she was still living because the bills would come. That was the point that typically you would be expected to dispute that you ever took out such a debt. The problem in families is that when you do that, you then put that individual in a position where they've done a criminal act, they've committed a fraudulent act by you're just saying, hey, honey, you got to pay this, you got to pay this, whatever. You essentially acquiesced in what she was up to and you are in a position where you are almost completely guilty. There's no way truly to prove your innocence at this point. If when it first came, you hit the roof and you contacted them and you said, hey, this is a fraudulent thing. I never took out this credit, blah, blah, blah. That would be a different thing. But now it really is too late in the game. And you were almost certainly stuck legally with that obligation. And you're going to have to make good on it, even though you had essentially nothing to do with it. Now, I want to tell you that is said by a non-lawyer, but we have had this circumstance so many times, and this is what we've heard from lawyers that work in consumer law, and this is an important thing for you to know. If any family member, a kid, a parent, a sibling, a spouse, anybody falsely applies for credit as if they're you, you have an obligation to immediately protest that that is not your debt if you acquiesce in it because the individual is a family member, even if they're a friend, and you just go along, you may resent it, but you go along, you ultimately make it almost impossible to relieve yourself of the obligation. This is from Kevin in Louisiana. I'm a CFP and listen to your podcast every day. Is Max My Interest a safe way to use online banks? I can't find any reason not to use this for maximizing interest and managing FDIC insurance limits. So, Kevin, thank you for your question. And for those of you who are not aware of Max My Interest, it is another version of CDARS, uh, a competitor, basically, of CDARS. CDARS is a program that the banks run and credit unions run behind the curtain that allows people to go past the quarter million dollars FDIC insurance by having accounts that they place for you with different institutions. Uh, The interest rates you earn are not great. This is a different business model. This is a non-bank that takes your money and they are the ones that place it out for you at the places paying the highest interest and are able to cover way beyond the FDIC insured max. The difference is with CDARS, the money goes right to a financial institution. In 
the maximize my interest situation, you're giving the money to a to a marketing company, not a bank, that itself does not have FDIC insurance, and you are trusting that they are then going to place the money as they promised into an FDIC insured institution paying the highest rates. You pay them a handling fee, a service fee that's quite low. It's uh, two basis points, which means two one-hundredths of one percent of the interest of the money you have on hand, not the interest. The money they grab as their fee for being the finder, finding the best interest rates and placing the money. So the only risk in this that I can find is if they don't max my interest, I said maximize, it's maxmyinterest.com does not do its part to properly take your money and place it. And it's a minimum of $48 a year fees with them too. So it needs to be for people who've got big money. big money they're trying to earn more on and keep FDIC insurance. So I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's tax season. We have a wonderful guide for you to free and cheap filing services at Clark.com.